Welcome to Bitcoin Sermons, the podcast that preaches how Bitcoin is connected to the coming of Jesus. It's a fascinating topic, and I think it's like the elephant in the room that not many are really talking about, even though it's so obvious. Well, whether you're a Bitcoiner or a Christian or both, this podcast has something for you. Last week's episode was a very amazing episode, in my opinion, because it answered a long-standing question that I had had, and that's the question of how Bitcoin could be divine, given its obviously secular and very human origins. It is just too obvious to make the parallel connections between how Bitcoin is saving the world today and how Jesus Christ came about 2,000 years ago to save the world then. And in all of the episodes of this podcast, we've been examining this theme and trying to understand, well, as we say in the intro to every episode, how Bitcoin is connected to the coming of Jesus. Now, that's meant to explore Bitcoin's relation to the second coming of Jesus, but naturally it implies a connection to his first coming as well. And we've talked about that in some recent episodes. But the real point in last week's episode that really answered the question for me came towards the end of the episode, actually after I thought we had finished covering the material for the day, when it just sort of came out in the course of speaking that Jesus Christ is the owner of the world, first of all, by virtue of having created it, but not just in the way that we normally think of him as the creator. It is also the fact that God allowed Jesus to be the security for the human race, in essence, that he pledged his son for the redemption of humanity even before the world was created. And hence, Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You see, God didn't create the world out of nothing. Perhaps in the material sense, that might be true. But it was actually the very life and existence of the Son of God out of which God created this world insofar as his Son was the pledge for the redemption of mankind. We were all bought with a price. This understanding, this this deeper understanding of what it means that the world was created by and through Jesus Christ is truly amazing. It establishes why and how the world was created through Jesus Christ. How it was that God spoke and that Jesus Christ was the word that proceeded from the mouth of God and how it was that that word resulted in the formation of this world. That's deep and amazing in its own right. But the question that it answered for me 
is equally amazing, which is how that explains Bitcoin's relationship to the kingdom of God. You see, the people of God, the children of God, that is to say, the part of humanity that accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, have been bequeathed the world, the whole world. It has been given to the children of God by God. That is, in essence, the antitype to how God gave the children of Israel the land of Canaan in ancient times, at least as a model for the ultimate conquest of the heavenly Canaan. And this all kind of started with the creation of mankind in the book of Genesis. And let's just read that really quick in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Or we could start with 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And so here we see that it was God's intention for mankind to fill the earth and possess it. He was given dominion, and it was given to mankind to subdue, or in other words, for mankind to rule over the earth. That refers to the kingly destiny of mankind, but it was something that we, as the children of God, had to develop into over the years, over the generations, and sort of grow up to the full stature of Jesus Christ, as it says in the New Testament. Now, what was the full stature of Jesus Christ? It says in Ephesians chapter 4, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, he gave each one his role. Till, verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So this is speaking about the church being a body, each individual being a member of the body, Christ being the head, and the whole body being in unity. And as such, this body which has existed through the generations must grow and mature until it reaches the state of development that Jesus Christ 
demonstrated. Now, what was that state of development that Jesus Christ reached that we must also attain to? Clearly, one aspect of it is his sacrificial character that was demonstrated on the cross, his selfless love for others. However, at the heart of his sacrifice was his undaunted assertion, his insistence that he was the Son of God and the rightful owner of this world. It was on this point that he was accused before the authorities and for which he was condemned. And it was on this point, only on this point, that he spoke during his trial in defense of himself. That is to say, it was his position of authority, his ownership, his claim as a king that he affirmed and defended even at the cost of his own life. Jesus could have saved his life by renouncing his authority as the Son of God or his identity as the Son of God. And the authorities would have let him go because without being a king, he would have been no threat to them. But in tenaciously holding on to the truth of his identity, he actually proved in the great plan of God, he actually proved his sovereignty that even though they would kill him, they could not take away that which Christ claimed as his own. Christ ascended and has remained the rightful heir of this world, and he has promised his kingdom to those who believe in him and walk in his footsteps. That is to say, to those who also understand their own sovereignty as Christ understood his, and who are also willing to defend it and thereby prove that very thing. And it is amazing that we have a mechanism to do that today. All through the Christian era, it was understood in terms of the religion, in terms of defending Christ and his identity as the Son of God as being our role, our means of demonstrating faith in him. But today, with Bitcoin on the scene, we have a new mechanism for demonstrating this kind of sovereignty. No longer is it that Christians are threatened with death if they do not renounce their belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. But today, it's a different threat that hangs over the entire world. It is the threat of being cut off from all worldly support by a financial system which has its surveillance and control mechanisms, tentacles, reaching into every facet of life. That's the fiat banking world as it has morphed into the great Kraken, the, the sea monster, the Leviathan, the great dragon, the devil that it is today. And amazingly, just at this point in history, when technology and 
evil, and the power to control the world through central bank digital currencies has arrived. It is at this same time in history that Bitcoin has emerged somewhat by accident, although also a deliberate invention against this Leviathan, and offers a way of salvation from slavery and control under this existing system of oppression. But the question that had always been nagging at me was, how is it that this system of Bitcoin is? What is the actual mechanism through which Bitcoin is divine? What is the link that shows that Jesus Christ is Lord of the kingdom of Bitcoin? And that is answered by the fact that this world was created by and through Jesus Christ, and that he promised to give this world, being the rightful owner of it, he had the right to make such a promise, he promised to give this world to those who believe in him. And now I'm going to take you to a verse in the book of Revelation that is very pertinent to this subject and pertinent to the time in which we currently live. And this is Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, where it is describing the sounding of the trumpet of the seventh angel. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And I submit to you that this has happened in the form of Bitcoin. How so? It speaks in this verse of a transfer of possession, that this world which Christ demonstrated his sovereignty over, and that even killing him would not nullify his claim on this world, but on the contrary, would solidify his claim and distribute his possession to those who believe in him. And so when we talk about the possessions of Jesus Christ, we are talking about the possessions of the saints because Christ willed his possessions, he willed his inheritance to the church. And so in this verse, when it says the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord, it's not speaking about Jesus's personal sovereignty over this world. That was the fact by virtue of his power as creator from the beginning. And that fact has never changed. So what then does it mean that the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord? What transfer is meant here? And how is it that he shall, from this time forward, reign forever and ever? And I think anyone who understands Bitcoin a little bit understands that Bitcoin is just beginning and it will never go away. The kingdom of Bitcoin will keep increasing and expanding forever. It will not retreat and it will only expand and it will only grow in strength. Why is that? It's ultimately because of Bitcoin's hard cap and all of its other design characteristics that ensure 
the security of the value entrusted to the system through people's use of it. To put it another way, it's simply the best form of investment, and as this knowledge is disseminated more and more, Bitcoin will grow and grow until it takes over the entire world. And that is to say, in the context of Bitcoin as a financial system, that is to say the entire world, the wealth and ownership of the entire world will ultimately be denominated in terms of Bitcoin, which means that the value of 21 million coins, that fixed number, the value of that will ultimately be recognized as being the value of the whole world. This is something that Bitcoiners have recognized all along, and that's why predictions on the value of Bitcoin are so high. Because ultimately, everyone understands that ultimately, the 21 million Bitcoins represent the value of the whole planet. All the money in the world, not just the money, but all the value in the world, is equal to 21 million Bitcoins. And that means if you recognize the value of the world as being infinite, something that Jesus Christ affirmed by his willingness to give his life, his infinite life, for the redemption of the world, then you understand that the 21 million Bitcoins altogether have infinite value. They have the value of Jesus Christ personally. They represent his net worth. Wow, this is what I realized while speaking to you in last week's episode. And this is the missing link that shows why Bitcoin is divine. It's not because Satoshi Nakamoto was a Christian. It's not because the source code came down from heaven. It's not because of any wild or untrue ideas, but because of this simple fact that Bitcoin represents the wealth of the whole planet and that the planet itself is worth the life of Jesus Christ. That means, in essence, that Bitcoin puts a number on the net worth of Jesus Christ. And that act, while seeming to be contradictory, that act is actually what allows his kingdom, his net worth, to be divided and distributed among his people without any form of accounting, without any notion of relative value. How could the kingdom be distributed? The contradiction, though, is in the fact that Jesus Christ has infinite value, infinite net worth. And how can that be represented by a finite number of coins? And the answer to that is simple. It's through the ability to infinitely subdivide those coins. And so, essentially, this turns our whole concept of monetary theory on its head. All throughout history, we have been accustomed to counting wealth in units that are fixed relative to ourselves. So, for example, how many gold coins can I own? That is a measure that is fixed in relation to ourselves. We are accustomed to think that if a person holds X amount of money, that value should be fixed in relation to the person. And therefore, we are not happy, for example, when inflation decreases the value of the money that we hold. 
But the kingdom of God, as expressed through Bitcoin, turns this thinking on its head, and instead it fixes the value of everything in this world, ultimately, to the value of Jesus Christ, not to the value of each of us as individuals. It fixes the value of everything in the world to infinity. And that means when you hold a certain amount of Bitcoin, you're not holding a fixed value in relation to yourself. You're holding a fraction of the value of Jesus Christ, who is infinite. That means you're holding an infinite value in your hands, and a part of infinity is still infinity. So every Bitcoin, every Satoshi is in fact infinite in value. This can be understood in the same way that we value stocks. A company has a certain value, a certain net worth. You take assets, subtract liabilities, and so forth, and you come up with this overall figure for how much a company is worth. And then a publicly traded company will sell shares in the company in order to raise capital. And those who own the shares in the company own a fraction of that company. And the total worth of the company divided by the number of shares is the amount of value that the individual shareholder owns. Now, as the value of the company increases, the value of each share increases. And oftentimes, in cases of significant growth, the company will issue what is called a stock split. And this essentially means, for example, that where every shareholder previously held one share, they now might hold 10 shares. Now, the percentage of the company that they own hasn't changed, but the splitting of the stock illustrates or correlates to the fact that the company is increasing in value. And that increase in value makes it more convenient to have smaller shares, more shares in total, so that individual shares can be traded at costs that are more appropriate, rather than having a few shares distributed among a few very wealthy people, there can be more shares more affordably distributed among more people. Now that's a very good illustration for how the value of Bitcoin works. As Bitcoin as a whole takes over the world, as everything in the world becomes denominated in terms of Bitcoin, those 21 million coins have to be subdivided more and more to cover all of the various things, all of the value that people want to ascribe, put a number to, that people want to denominate in terms of Bitcoin. And this is highly relevant this week as we see the first Bitcoin ETF being approved and that this marks a turning point in how important Bitcoin will become in securing the value of this world and the things in it, including the value of corporations, assets, everything you can imagine. Amazing, isn't it? And it really shows how valuable Bitcoin is. It is infinitely valuable. When you own Bitcoin, you own a fixed fraction of infinity. But if that's too hard to understand, let's just put it in concrete terms that are reflective of the current state of the world, okay? If you understand that 21 million coins represents the value of the whole world, then you can calculate, for example, what one person's share 
of the whole world's value would be as denominated in Bitcoin. Let's just do that really quick. So we need to know how many people are in the world, and we need to know the total value of the world right now in some form that we can grasp. So if we just ask Google how much money is there in the world, here's the answer that we can go with. It has been reported that there is approximately $37.474 trillion worth of money in the world in various forms. However, when accounting for all the money that cannot be easily tracked, the estimated figure is closer to $85.4 trillion. So let's just go with the estimate of $85 trillion. That is the dollar equivalent of the world's worth in various forms. $85 trillion. So if we divide that number by the current world population, which we can say is around 8 billion people, let's just do that calculation. 85 trillion divided by 8 billion, we get 10,625. That would be dollars per person if all of the value of the world were divided equally among the inhabitants of the earth. Each person would get $10,000. That's interesting just to put your life in perspective. If you have $10,000, if your assets minus your liabilities is over $10,000, then you're better off than if the world were equally divided. If your assets minus your liabilities are less than $10,000, then you have less than if the world were equally divided. So let's just put this in a practical example. For example, this could be the profile of a person that has a few hundred dollars in their bank account and owns a house with a mortgage and has an equity of about $10,000 in their house. That's pretty much what everyone would get if the world were equally divided, just in terms of value. That's not that much in the scheme of things. But it's also more than many people can ever dream of. People who rent and live pretty much paycheck to paycheck and have no savings to speak of. Now let's look at this another way. If we understand that the entire value of the world is denominated by 21 million bitcoins, then we can take 21 million, divide that by the same population of 8 billion, And we come out to 0.002625 bitcoins. Now, for convenience, we can translate that to satoshis by multiplying by 10,000 times 10,000. Make sure you watch my episode, Bitcoins 21 Million on Judgment Day. And you come out to a value of 262,500 satoshis. If all the bitcoin in the world were divided equally among the inhabitants of the world, each inhabitant would hold 262,500 satoshis. Now you can ask yourself, where do you rank in relation to that number? If you have 262,000 satoshis or less, then you have less than your share of the world's value as denominated in Bitcoin. But if you have more than 262,500 satoshis, then you hold more than one person's share of the value of the world. That's very interesting. And that puts into perspective how cheap Bitcoin is today. Let's just do another calculation. 
let's figure out how much this 262,500 satoshis is worth in dollar terms, according to today's exchange rate. Doing the calculation, 0 0.002625 BTC converted to USD, that comes out to 111.89, so about $112. Now, what this says is the amazing fact that today you can buy one person's share of the whole world for $112. That's cheap. That is setting the captives free. That is hope to the poor. The bigger cost is not the cost of the Bitcoin. The bigger cost is the cost of your faith. How much do you believe? Do you understand Bitcoin well enough to trust investing your life in it? It's very similar to the question of, do you understand Jesus Christ enough to trust him as your Lord and Savior? It's a very similar question. And it's this link between Christ as the value of this world and Bitcoin as being the numerical denomination of the world's value that establishes this link between Bitcoin and the Savior. Bitcoin is the money of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, I started this podcast middle of last year asking a hypothetical question. And this whole podcast is about that hypothetical question, which is, does Bitcoin have something to do with the coming of the kingdom of Jesus Christ or not? Because in many ways, there seem to be many parallels, but that could have also just been an artifact of Bitcoin's role as a savior to many people. Anything or anyone that saves a person from trouble of any kind can be compared to the savior, Jesus Christ, at some level. And so my question in this podcast and the purpose for it was to explore the subject to understand whether or not this comparison between Bitcoin and Jesus Christ has any depth to it, whether there's any true link there or not. And what was discovered now, beginning this year, beginning with last week's episode, as I've explained now in this episode, I've understood that link, that connection, that reason as to why Bitcoin is the money of the kingdom of God. To me, that is a revelation. And I can say from now on that Bitcoin sermons is not BS. We can say from now on with certainty, with actual evidence and logical proof that Bitcoin sermons is not BS. So this was a very important point for me personally. Wow, this was amazing. But let's keep talking about what this verse really means in Revelation, where it says that the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That was Revelation 11 verse 15, and a little bit further down in verse 17, a little more information is added where the four and twenty elders, which sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power 
and hast reigned. Now, this is speaking about the coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus. When Jesus came the first time, he came as a baby. He was the prince of this world, the king of this world, by identity. But he had to grow and mature. And he ultimately sacrificed his life for that idea that he was the king of this world, the heir of this world, as the son of God. So he came the first time as a savior, not so much as a king, as a king by identity, but not in the sense of exercising his power as king. But here and now, it speaks of Christ taking up his great power and reigning. That means exercising his authority. How does a king exercise his power? By making executive decisions, by judging something that Bitcoin does very well. It's a system of justice. And by deciding all kinds of disputes, what belongs to whom, and so forth. Jesus Christ is doing that. He's deciding through Bitcoin. Jesus Christ is deciding what of the value of this world belongs to whom. And this is an ongoing process. It's not finished in a day. Bitcoin is still young, as people say. The price still has a long ways to go to infinity, so to speak. But we are in the time of the fulfillment of these verses when Jesus Christ is reigning, is exercising his great power, is intervening in the world's affairs. That's what it means that this world, the kingdoms of this world, are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. That means the justice that he is bringing with Bitcoin today and the way that he is exercising his power over this world through Bitcoin, that will go on forever. Bitcoin will be the money of the kingdom of heaven forever. That's a fascinating concept. This is furthermore explained in verse 18. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Well, the nations being angry needs no remark. We see that very well today. But most of this verse is focused on the giving of reward unto the servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great. That is to say that it's about the people of God, and it's about them receiving the kingdom that was promised to them, the reward for their faith, the heavenly inheritance that God promised his people, which starts here in these verses with the kingdoms of this world. It starts here on earth. How will you inherit the heavenly things if you aren't worthy of the earthly things? And this verse 18 begins and ends with the wicked, who are the targets of God's wrath. What God sends, that is to say Bitcoin, what God sends as the salvation, as the reward to his servants, to his people, comes as destruction to the wicked. That's exactly what we see playing out as Bitcoin increases in value and increases in adoption. It is seen by the existing powers in the financial world as a threat. And you have important, prominent people speaking out against Bitcoin, like 
Recently, for example, I saw a remark from Christine Lagarde, the leader of the European Central Bank, who said that her son lost almost all of his money due to investing in cryptocurrency. Well, there are a lot of cryptocurrencies where you can lose almost all of your money. So poor boy should have just invested in Bitcoin and hodled it. Then he wouldn't have lost all his money. But the message that Christine Lagarde is really trying to convey by this remark is that cryptocurrencies cannot be trusted to hold their value. And while that may be true of other cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin is unique in its characteristics, in its adoption level, in the level of confidence that people have in it as a whole because it was the first and remains the best cryptocurrency due to its design characteristics and its hard cap, which makes it suitable as the money of the kingdom of God. But what this really shows when Christine Lagarde has to condescend to the humiliation of admitting her own son's ineptitude in financial matters as a way of scaring other people into not investing in Bitcoin, what this really shows is her fear, the fear of all those who are in powerful positions in the legacy financial system. It shows what Revelation 18 says, that the wicked are being judged and destroyed, and that the wrath of God is upon them. The Bible speaks very clearly, for example, in the book of James. Let's go there real quick. James chapter 5. And this is just one example. In many places, the Bible speaks of the end of the world, of the day of judgment being a day of financial calamity, and yet God's people will be saved out of it. James chapter 5, verse 1. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. For the end of time. And it says, pay attention to exactly what it says here. For example, the rust of them. That's to say the deterioration of the gold and silver. That is to say, inflation, the devaluation of the money shall be a witness against you, against the wicked, against the rich men of this world. Isn't that interesting? It says, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Why? Because your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. That is to say, the money in the bank and the assets you own have lost their value. That's the fate of the wicked in the last days. And that will be realized. That will happen. That hasn't fully happened yet, even though Christine Lagarde admits that her son lost almost all of his money. But these verses haven't yet fulfilled until her flesh and the flesh of others like her shall be eaten, as it were, by fire, until their flesh is burned up, as it says. In other words... The devaluation of the world's money is the burning up of the flesh of the wicked. And you thought Judgment Day was about burning up the world with fire? Well, James understood that that was only an illustration. It's only, as it were, fire. But in actuality, it's not about a literal fire burning up the world. It's about this 
fire in cyberspace called Bitcoin that is burning up the legacy wealth of the world and purifying the earth in the process, purifying the financial system and everything that's anchored to it. This is amazing, isn't it? Verse 4, Behold, the hire, the wages, of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. That's an expression that refers, it essentially means the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies, referring to Jesus in the military sense, not his first coming as a harmless babe, but his return as King of kings and Lord of lords with absolute sovereignty over this world. Bitcoin provides sovereignty, personal sovereignty, and through Bitcoin, Jesus Christ is fighting the wars of the laborers under the old financial system. He is enabling you to escape the fraud and oppression for $112 or for whatever price you enter into Bitcoin at. As we saw that at today's Bitcoin prices, you can purchase one person's share of the entire planet for $112. The Lord of hosts is offering freedom to all at bargain prices today. How these verses fit is so amazing. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth, referring to the powers of the, of the legacy financial system. It says, Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton, lacking in character. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. That is to say, they've taxed the people to death, and yet people still say, Pay your taxes. That's the Christian thing to do. Well, that's the subject for another episode. But verse 7 here says, Be patient, therefore, brethren. For how long? Unto the coming of the Lord. That is to say, submit to the wanton leaders, to the financial leaders who have lived in pleasure on the earth, who have condemned and killed the just. Submit to them. Don't resist them. Be patient, therefore, brethren. How long? Unto the coming of the Lord. Now, if Bitcoin is connected to the coming, the return of the Lord, as we've established in this podcast, then the time of being patient is over. Behold, still in verse 7, Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it. It's been a long time waiting, until he receive the early and latter Rain, a figure for the Holy Spirit at the end of time. Early rain referring to Pentecost in the time of the apostles, and the latter rain referring to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit today. Amazing times that we are living in, and Bitcoin has an amazing role in that. Verse 8, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. I would just say it's here. For all practical purposes, it's here. We could go on. I love this study. We could go on, but I will let you continue with this study on your own. This has been another amazing episode as we have reviewed the implications of what we discovered in last week's episode. And it's worthy of note that yesterday was January 12, the date of the very first Bitcoin transaction 
the very first transfer of money from one person to another. It was the famous transaction when Satoshi Nakamoto sent the first 10 bitcoins to Hal Finney, establishing bitcoins function as a secure means of exchange, essentially its function as money. You see, it wasn't enough for Jesus to inherit the earth, to save us. He also had to bequeath his inheritance to us. He had to make a transaction, and that's what the very first transaction represents. That's what the very first transfer of Bitcoin between Satoshi and Hal represents. A life-changing transaction. If you still haven't done your first Bitcoin transaction, do so. Come into the kingdom of God. Come into the kingdom that shall never end. Translate your assets into the value system of the kingdom of heaven right now. And according to your faith, according to how early you make that transaction, may the reward be unto you. Fifteen years ago, Hal Finney received ten bitcoins because of his faith in bitcoin, even though he was not a man of faith. And God is no respecter of persons. Those 10 bitcoins were life-changing for him and his wife. Everyone is being judged by bitcoin. And as they say in the bitcoin world, everyone gets bitcoin at the price they deserve. Which is to say, if you recognize its significance and its value early on, and you invest early on, then as the price tends toward infinity, you are rewarded more with a larger percentage of the total value of this world. But those who delay, those who do not exercise faith, those who do not do their research to understand what Bitcoin is all about, the later a person transfers their wealth into Bitcoin, the smaller, proportionally, will be their reward. God is just, but he's also gracious. He has given himself to the world. He has given himself to you. Will you put your faith in him? How many shares of his estate will you trade your worthless money and worthless possessions for? God is gracious, but he's also just. We are in the day of judgment, which is a day of fear to the wicked, but a day of joy to the righteous. God be with you. Have a blessed week and share this message with those you love. Bye-bye.